Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Law the Old World, a law podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask what's up with this Warhammer stuff. My name is Ben Cronbarber and I know pretty much fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host Christopher Kralin Allen. 100101. Who knows absolutely fuck all about Warhammer. 00110110. And my dear brother Darren. Go fuck yourselves, everyone. Who knows so much about Warhammer it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Ben, there's something a little bit a little bit staccato, a little bit not quite, not quite right. It's a bit too charismatic, if I was being honest. <laughs> yeah, there's something slightly Skynet about me today. <laughs> okay, prepare to assimilate. Explain yourself. Well, I thought it would be a considerable improvement on my current voice, as I have. The oh, plague. baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> Grandpapa so. Nurgles giving you a giving you a visit. Yeah, right. gave me a deep throat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> deep throated by a what they called an unclean one. Is that a great uh, unclean one? So, You'd also have a fractured one. neck because his gut would be bouncing on the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's markably different from balls on the chin, really, isn't it? Like spelling oh, both. Oh, be, yeah. it's both. From both ends. Heads just like, bouncing up. Yeah, dunk, 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 dunk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a lowbrow to start. Said the unclean one. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so what did you think of that? I mean, we're kind of cool and hip. You know, we like to use AI. Well, that's the first time we've ever used it. Didn't you try to. We're not cool um, and hip. And, uh, and that wasn't AI. And that wasn't AI. <laughs> <laughs> So you tried to use it once to write a script, Dar, and it didn't. It didn't I did, go. yeah. It was horseshit. <laughs> young people are all young people, and everything they create is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, and I don't like it. It's different. I don't like it. Give me lead miniatures and some Werther's originals. <laughs> Dar, for next episode, could we maybe have a little test of the AI written script? Just just like a few paragraphs, just to just to see what, what comes out of it. Yep. Excellent. Love I'll it. I'll do a I'll do a recap no. in AI as well. Maybe we'll save up maybe we'll stagger yeah. it, right? Uh, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll do okay. Darren next and then I'll do the I'll do an AI WhatsApp. Well, I won't do it. An AI will do an AI recap. The but the week. AI has to do it literally off the top of their head. There can't be anything prepared. Ben, was that actually a, an intro presented by AI, or was it just text-to-speech? Text to I, I thought you were about to say, is that an intro written by an AI? It was like, yes, Growl, after three years, wow. I can reveal that I did not write the few paragraphs that we say at the start. It does sound like AI from three years ago, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Bleep blurp. <laughs> no, it was, it's just it's something called Speechify. Okay. I use it when I'm reading, when I'm studying, I use it to read out what I'm reading, to speak out what I'm reading. I find it a lot easier to take in the information. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe I'm dyslexic. What, when you're being spoken to, you absorb like stuff better than when reading I, words. When I'm on a page, reading on a paper. off the page, 
Yeah. If I have that spoken at the same time, I absorb it a lot faster. I can, oh, I can so get you, through material a lot faster. If, and that speechifies an extension of... So you have to read and hear at the same time for it to read. I don't have to. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not broken. I'm saying it These helps These are my terms and conditions. <laughs> Does it really help if you've got incontinence pants on as well, yeah? No. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanging from the ceiling. Like, it's, it's a very specific condition for learning, which is why I don't study that much anyway. <laughs> right, before we go on, big thanks to everyone who supports the show. You guys are the tits. If you want to support us, click the Patreon link in the description where you can sign up today and join our Discord for as little as £3. Kral, what could £3 buy you today? Mate, bus ride into Cambridge from where I am. Um, okay. Three pound. Probably a multi-pack of your local grocery store's crisps. Three pound. I, th- I, 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 mean, I think get a quality bar of chocolate as well, actually. I think I think all of those yeah. things really fought that. Not much, I think, is the, the, yeah. the end result yeah. there. Or yeah. it could get you access to an absolutely bodaciously cool... Discord channel oi, oi. with some bodaciously oi, oi. cool members and contributors. <laughs> Couldn't have said a better crowd. Couldn't have said a better. For an extra two pounds on Patreon, you can gain access to the full back catalogue of our bonus series, Chunks of Dar. Dar, can yeah. you sum up chunks of you in one word? It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> at this stage, it's like another twenty-five hours at least. Of, of additional content shit. of us, of uh, <laughs> of Chris and Ben coming up with questions based on things they should be asking during the live records to <laughs> drag out this fucking shit show for another hour <laughs> a week, an hour a month. Flesh it out. Um, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. Apparently, excellent. I can't tell the difference between COD records and or Chunks of Dar recordings and these recordings. No. It all blurs into one. Or yeah. what one word means. Anyway, if you're also keen to support this podcast, but you don't fancy I've got a word for you. there's a ton of other ways that you can do that, just click on the supporters link in the description where you'll find all our affiliate links and support platforms. Now, Crowley, you know what time is. Yes, mate. Hello, Reichland. It's time for Sarah's every cup. Let me just ask before before Crow launches into it: Is she real? Uh, Because I think I've seen a photograph of her as her dad. Um, Just as her dad, as her dad, and her dad, and her dad. Right? No, she's real. Fiona is. She's a. She's a real, regular human being. She's a real regular robot. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <Bleep>. What? <laughs> <laughs> Arigato, Dr. Roboto. <laughs> She's Japanese? What? <laughs> she is Japanese. She's Japanese. She does a killer German accent. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how she manages it, but it's really cool. Very Crowley. You ready for me? You ready to receive? <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Recap, dude. <laughs> Last episode... We went through the millionth. It's a number. Uh, it's the thing. <laughs> we covered more fucking Phoenix Kings. Gonna, hey, gonna guess what we're doing this episode? In an Essex accent for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Teflis the Slayer. Belcarandis the Scholar King. You slag. Aphis the Poet. 
And then not a Phoenix King, Girathon. I'm done. That's me done. Girathon? Who's Girathon? Advisor to the King turned out to be a Dark Elf spy. Well, it doesn't sound like you're done then, Kral. (laughs) Maybe we should expand a bit. Tesla's a slayer. Who did he succeed? Because I can literally cannot remember who was it. Was it it one of the Kalidors? It was definitely a Phoenix King, yeah. He was definitely a Phoenix King. (laughs) Replaced one of the Kalidors, I think. He was a pretty vengeful Phoenix King, wasn't he? he? He formed or created the national service essentially in Orthuan for all elves um he, he ramped it up mis- yeah. he ramped it up killed in mysterious circumstances when he went for the blade of Cain what were the two yep. theories of how he was executed or killed oh by? I've got it I've got it so one was that he got killed by a dark elf assassin which Dara mm-hmm. doesn't believe dull and yeah then, it's too boring too easy and then the other one was that his guards saw that he was going to pick it up and they were like mm, he got tromboned yep stabio they placed a dagger Near his embedded. heart. Embedded. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> embedded uh, dagger in him. Yellow card. Died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, high elves can't get tromboned. They are looted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not flugled. <laughs> Flugel. No, that's no? dwarves. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Not jaw harped. No. Right. <laughs> no, that's the name. Uh, Belcarandus, the Scholar King, he did two things of note. He constructed the White Tower of Hoeth, or Sheweth, oh, without God. the S, Chris, as well as what, Ben? What else did he form that was significant? The Great Hunt, Lamange that's right. Vagina. A mariachi <laughs> band. Sorry, the third thing that was significant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember that. He built the tower. I just said it was the Great Hunt. Where oh, princes okay. and nobles oh, yes. going? Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beasts and demons. The great, great hunt. Oh, <laughs> hunt! Yeah, yeah. He made monster hunters, didn't he? He was just like, That's it. "You fucking nobles with nothing to do, all all caught up in your reputations. Get out there and slay some monsters." When you're thinking of the monster hunters as a group, what accent do they have? I'm gonna go with West Country. West Country, I was going to say that! Yes! No, I like or to know I started it. I think all the elves have an Essex accent. <laughs> the great hashtag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, weird, but weirdly, all of the elf <laughs> monster hunters are. Ooh, or Gert Lash, Girdle, Girdle. And then there's one Welsh elf from Kathik who doesn't know what's happening or why they're there. Hey, boy, yeah. yo! How did Let's I go hunt here? some monsters. Ooh, look, Aberystwyth. Terrible, terrible <laughs> Welsh accent. I think all three of those were pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, finally, Aethys the poet, who went and made Ulthuan beautiful again, or more beautiful anyway. Oh, I yeah, think that was M- kind Mugma? of only. Was it Mugma? Thing, wasn't it? What? Mugma. Mugma. Make, make, make Ulthuan beautiful. Again. Oh, I thought that was going to be like a Sugma or like Muba. I think it's pronounced Muba. Maba. Muba. That was um, Aethys's only real kind of memorable thing, wasn't it? He just made Ulthuan gorgeous. Like carved the mountains, landscaped the mountains, made the cities like, I don't know, fucking lined it with gold and stuff and and shit like that. that He he bejeweled it, didn't he? He bejazzled it. He be- yeah, he yeah. bejazzled the. Uh... But apart from that, he wasn't. That was it, really. That was Athos's contribution. Oh yeah, and what have you done, Krell? 
Huh? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's no small thing. What have you vajazzled, mate? What have you architecturally vajazzled? Show us your vajazzle. Go on. Well, I mean, for Are start- we recording video on this? What? <laughs> for a start, shop. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am, but what How does are you? it feel, Chris? Does it feel so good when someone keeps talking over you, does it? <laughs> Three years I've had this pent up. What? <laughs> and here it comes. So Jimmy, he hadn't achieved much in terms of like comparatively, like the others, you know, went to war and, you know, slayed things and he just... Yeah, maybe I am discrediting too much, you know, like landscaping mountains and like gilding cities in gold and stuff is pretty good. But he was more of a spender. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of like making major reforms, conscription, constructing the White Tower of Hoeth. I mean, great. You made everything look brilliant. It's a contribution. He was a, he was a creator rather than a kind of destroyer or a changer. Great at spending funds. And he, he was a regnal influencer. That's how you think about him. He was an influencer. Uh, okay, got it. He was one of the OG influencers. He was, yeah, yes. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, fine. I'm done, I'm spent. Over to you. Give us an episode, mate. Give us an episode. Go mate. on. Give us an episode. Got any episodes on you? Right, so we leave um, Aethys the Scabbard as I will refer to him now, because that's what he is. The hipster king. He had a knife stuck in him and just turmoil. Turmoil and calamity. We move on then. Calamari. Calamari, yeah. He was squidded to death. As with all things, we need a successor. So the next Phoenix King is Morvale the Impetuous, which really, as a nickname, is terrible. Like, it Something that he did when he was like three, and that's <laughs> just stuck go. with him forever. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, I didn't think the horse would kick that hard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, once again, which it kind of drawing on a theme, this Phoenix King was a lore master of the White Tower. So we're now looking at the third in a row of a kind of wizard from Safri, where the White Tower is. Ignore all previous mentions of the tower being <laughs> anywhere else. Although he originated, you have one guess each as to where he uh, where he was born. Chris. Uh, Kralador. Yay. Ben. The Badlands. No, you've failed miserably. He was from Barry. The in jokes, dudes. Come on. Uh, um, uh, Ivris. Ivris. As a kind of academic, he was not really au fait with how things work in the real world. So he had no grasp of politics, really. And, you know, anything he learned about warfare was from just a, a, a tome of history. Mr. Chris. Why the fuck would you put someone like that in charge as king? Because uh, the lawmasters were seen for as... for start. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, do you know what we need? The last guy was just a decorator. We need someone <laughs> with a bit of vim in him, a bit, a bit of vigor. We need, we need impetuity. Is that even a word? <laughs> someone who has no pol- political knowledge, no military acumen, and yeah. has a stupid nickname. This guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> One has two thumbs and doesn't have a fucking clue. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was, there was, they did have a choice between, oh, what's his name? Aislinn the apathetic and Morville the impetuous. <laughs> and I think they made the right choice, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So his first, the very first thing he did was a move to avenge the death of the previous Phoenix King. So he organized an enormous invasion of uh, Nagaroth. But unfortunately, due to his his book learning, as they say in certain parts of the world, the entire army was wiped out to an elf. Uh, and so, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's uh, quite an achievement. Uh, yeah, it, it it was, uh, and it would it didn't even make any headway. The fleet landed, and as the troops were uh, egressing, which I believe is the uh, or exfilling the military term, I don't know, infilling, landing, walking. As they were walking from the boats, <laughs> they let's take it back to basics. As they shimmied down from <laughs> the cartwheeled. Gangplanks, cartwheeled and so on they were just picked off it was like the d-day landings but dark elves so they okay. just the dark elves just massacred the entire fleet it was a, a a horrific dark day for ulthuin but the dark elves the druki remember it with great kind of fondness and they refer to it as the day of blood so that, <laughs> that's the that's how I refer to most of the memorable days in my past as well. Um, well, remember that <laughs> the day of blood. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many jokes that I'm just stopping myself from it. Self, yeah, me too. Self, I'm, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 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 <laughs> yeah. So the the beaches of Nagroth strewn with the dead armies of Ulthuin and. As word of this got back to Ulthuin, the entire population kind of went into this great moral panic, this great kind of fear-mongering, because if you'll recall, they had heard nothing from Nagaroth or any of the Dark Elves. They, they hadn't seen them, there hadn't been an invasion for like nigh on 1,200 years. Oh, wow. So they thought that the Dark Elves were actually, they'd been wiped out. By some other force. They had spent their strength kind of spraying it against the walls of Ulthuin. Uh, they let their guard down. But they were actually in the background brewing like a strong cup of tea. A strong cup of evil tea. Mm. <laughs> they were girding their loins like loin girders. Hmm? <laughs> that sounds like a really uncomfortable material to make pants from. Yeah. What were they doing in that 1200 years? The Dark Elves. Well, lots of push-ups and kind of getting stronger montages. Yeah, sort of, really. Team it, building exercises. They, they, <laughs> yeah, but it's Dark Elves, so if you choose the wrong thing, you die. <laughs> it's kind of like a team distilling exercise. Well, yes, there was. There was a distilling exercise carried out by Malekith because what he was doing was winnowing out the weakest of the Dark Elves so that they would just become stronger and stronger. And I, I, I mean sort of willpower and strength of arms rather than all these kind of beefcake Dark Elves <laughs> tottering around <laughs> because no one does leg day. They look like a thumbtack. 
Me, on the other hand, I never miss leg day, do I, Ben? <laughs> I only do leg day. You're, you're like an upside-down thumbtack, Kral. <laughs> A weeble. A weeble. <laughs> if, if you slap him, you'll snap him in half, but by God, he could kick a VW Beetle to death. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Those calves. Oh, don't get me started. So instead of being this dying race the uh, yeah the dark elves had simply been building up their military strength and making sure that their leadership was firmly in line with uh, malekith's desires and so buffering buffering uh, whilst, whilst you're buffering sorry can i just get some context where did the dark elves ambush the high elves again sorry i missed that bit. Uh, it where, was where? in nagroth in their hometown in their home turf. right so, so the high elves that's what i thought the high elves went over to nagroth and were picked off yeah. when they went to nagroth and they went to nagroth because the high elves went to nagroth in the first place because they were avenging the murder of the previous phoenix king by girathon the advisor got it Ah, yes. Okay, we're following on from Girathon. Cool. Brilliant. I was feeding the cat. I missed that bit. Got it. (laughs) So with a significant, you know, section of the military dead, the Dark Elves reinvaded or invaderized, whatever the correct term is, Ulthuin once again via the Shadowlands and uh, reestablished the kind of their capital of Anlek, You'll recall that that's made up of two different black arcs that have been smushed together. Morville, having learned that, you know, his opinions on this stuff isn't really the best, decides to appoint a kind of general uh, to look after all the military aspects of uh, Ulthuin. And this is Menethus. Menthus? Mentheus? Mentheus. Mentholus. Mentheus. Menthol. So Menthol of Calidor, mm. men, Mentho, mm. Mentheus of Calidor, um, <laughs> takes up the role of the kind of field marshal of Ulthuin's armies. And the very first thing he does is uh, redefine the levy system. You'll recall that uh, Phoenix Kings of the past had mandated that all High Elves now uh, should be capable of bearing arms. Mentheus takes that a step further and says, for you know, a portion of every year, every High Elf has to serve. So instead of having this kind of pool of warriors th- that they kind of grab haphazardly, there's now you know, 10% of the island is available for these two months, 20% for this month, or, you know, they set up a a proper schedule. Yeah. They, they Excel spreadsheet. They basically get in a kind of military Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) A work um, rota. A work, (laughs) a work rota. That sounds vaguely sexual. Oh no, that's a work, (laughs) that's a work router. Yeah. Um, So this is the beginning of the Dark Elves. They are now doing almost a counter-offensive. They are starting to... They're, they're breaching Ulthuin once again, getting a stronghold in there. Yeah. Oh, it's on. Oh, Krell's getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, High Elves. Take it, High Elves. Take it. Okay, so Menethus makes some great... Uh, or Mentheus makes some great inroads and starts to push the 
dark elves out of the Shadowlands back towards Anlek. So they're going to siege, basically lay siege to, to Anlek. As this happens, it turns into like a meat grinder operation and Morvale becomes more and more despondent at the sheer amount of uh, high elf dead. And it really kind of hits him hard. He's plagued by nightmares of all the dead and his responsibility for the, the dying of the high elf race. And it turns out that this is not just his psyche preying on him. In fact, Malekith is bombarding him with these nightmares in his dreams. So he's under a kind of magical siege during the night. And uh, as anyone who's been awake at two o'clock in the morning when the anxiety kicks in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Imagine that for decades, you know, for the kind of <laughs> mental condition is eroding. So it's not just me. You guys get it too. Wake up in the middle of the night and just start catastrophizing about shit oh, yeah. for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And one night of it is enough to fuck me for the whole week. So a decade of it, that's like, oh yeah, yeah. Just, just sign me up for the asylum now. I'm nuts. Yeah. So it, and I'm crackers. I'm crackers. <laughs> uh, at, at, during the final assault, during this uh, final kind of push from the siege, Mentheus's forces take Anlek and clear it out, uh, but he himself is killed. And his dragon, a dragon called Nightfang, goes absolutely tonto, uh, as I believe uh, the tonto. phrase Ben uses. Step on yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> tonto, step on it. Conga solo. <laughs> uh, and it goes effectively insane. And much like, do you remember back in the... Orc episodes we talked about Skull Muncher is the, oh, the yeah. Wyvern. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. much the, the same named. kind of vibe where the dragon effectively creates a you know mile-long mosh pit of dead elves, be it the dark elves <laughs> or high elves. Wow. And this breaks the remnants of the dark elf, the Druki army, uh, and they flee. They flee back to Nagaroth. Uh, they kind of up sticks and fuck off. And ultimately, Ulthuin is cleared of kind of the majority of Dark Elf presence once again. Unfortunately, news of his kind of great friend's death reaches Morvale and it snaps him completely. And so he heads back to the Shrine of Azurian and walks back into the flame uh, and is <gasps> you know, effectively commits ritual suicide. Uh, because well, he the goes burden through the, of the he goes in through the exit. He, he, you he don't go in undoes. through the exit. You don't go. That's an outhole. You don't go in an outhole. Is that what he did? Yeah, uh, and he just he burns up. <sighs> Fuck. Wow. Could any Phoenix King that had been kind of accepted by the flame on the way, the right way through, is that what would happen to them if they went back through? They would yes. just. You can't. Yeah. You can't double dip. It's a one-way ticket, baby. Well, no, you shouldn't double dip. You can, but you shouldn't. You can. <laughs> mm. Just because you should doesn't mean you would, should, could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. will. And remember, always ask permission when you go in an outhole. What? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, okay. So he he frazzle McDazzled then. I he mean, frazzle McDazzles himself. Why did he... Why did he want to particularly go back to the flame of Azurian to do that? He could have just uh, jumped. Up used a cliff. lighter. <laughs> this, this, yeah, <laughs> just like I'll do it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be here a while, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so was it was it symbolic, or did it did he have to pass that way? No, he he didn't have to go that way. He could have just opened a vein in the uh, in the palace where he lived. But I think, yeah, yeah. And this is me hypothesizing that he felt that the burden of kind of kingship that had been granted on him was granted in error. So he wanted right. to go through and give it back. Right. right. Okay. You always you did say elves are very emotionally dramatic, aren't they? they yeah. They, 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 they don't. They, everything's theatre. You you don't just end it. No, you go on an epic voyage using a lot of resources, time, and money to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, and then run back through the flame, crying the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Oh, he's done it. He's done it already. Yeah, he's done it. Uh, <laughs> he's just write a resignation letter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. As it turns out, this wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> I hereby abdicate. I think we're basing this on you know uh, on the idea of somebody that hadn't spent. 10 years having anxiety yeah, rationality may not have been like, there yeah exactly yeah I mean if I had done that for that I'd walk backwards through a flame <laughs> no you'd moonwalk through the flame I'd moonwalk back yeah <laughs> back through the flame like, going like this as you went backwards yeah, <laughs> yeah. peace bitches <laughs> yeah flipping the bird at everyone <laughs> <laughs> well okay we move on to the next Phoenix King Bell Hathor not Lots of bells. There's a lot of yeah, bells. Yeah. Of bell Shamalama Ding Dong, Bell Karandis. You know, he said like Tor means like town or fortress, I think he said. Does bell mean something? Is it Ben? Yeah, yeah it means that guy. So that, that guy, guy Hathor. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the situation once again where the high elves find themselves in need of a new king during war. Again, or back on the on the tail end of war. So really, it's getting a bit monotonous, to be fair, isn't it? It's it just, is. Malachi's got it right. He outlives them all. Do you know what I mean? He is the he's solid. He should be Phoenix <laughs> King. I think. I think the high elves at this point are looking back, going, "Shit, we should have we should have kept Malachus sweet. He's he looks like he's a pretty pretty good leader. He's outlived all of our kings." Uh, unfortunately, the obvious choice, Menethus of Calidor, was dead. And so they went into a, a, a significant period of kind of name calling, uh, kind of, you know, much like the election of a pope. I imagine that there's a lot of name calling during the election of a pope. <laughs> square bear. Square, square, kind of square bear. Pope, pope <laughs> square bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Given that they couldn't agree what they went for was this ultimate compromise candidate who was once again a wizard prince from Safri. So we're now, I think this is the fourth in a row Phoenix King associated with the White Tower. All right. Uh, and they picked Bell Hathor, that guy Hathor. Uh, and <laughs> really he was he was the as I said the compromise candidate because everyone thought he could be manipulated. Everyone thought that they could get him to kind of advance their own schemes, uh, as I believe the phrase is, and that the elven court itself would rule kind of en masse via this puppet king. Right. He was a bit, was he a bit wet? Was he a bit George W. Bush sort of thing? As much as uh, Morville was a kind of academic, this guy was a kind of quiet, dusty academic. 
Okay. Whether he had an innate strength or whether it was granted to him by Azurian as he walked through the flame, they could not have been more wrong. Uh, this guy went in very much like the nutty professor, I think. He went in, this kind of <laughs> weeb guy, and then came out, as I believe the young people say, Chad. Uh, he was just completely... G. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Just came out like that. Just where yeah. the toilet's at, bro. <laughs> ping, ping. Would you would you say it was like um you seen the the new Captain America with uh, Chris Evans in it, where he goes yes. in Steve Rogers. Captain Steve Rogers goes yeah. in, he's a weedy little yes, five and yeah, a half yeah, foot yeah. uh yeah. dweeb and comes out six and a half foot hench as fuck, can leap over a three story building, that kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, like um, where he was before, he was very kind of a quiet spoken academic, uh, you know, lots of the word actually and readjusting his spectacles. He then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He then came out just kind of gregarious. Hey, cancer's a going. Uh, it's, it's just... <laughs> yeah. You, 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 fuck off. You do this. Just very self He came out a complete it. jock douchebag. Oh, I know exactly who the analogy for this guy is. Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham in Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. Yes, brilliant. What's yes. his name? Oh, the guy. Alan Rickman. Guy. Alan Rickman. <laughs> you, my room, 10 o'clock. You, my yeah. room, half past 10. And bring a friend. <laughs> yeah. I will cut his heart out with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a May film. he rest in peace Yeah, what a legend um, It isn't Christmas unless Hans Gruber gets thrown off the Nakatomi building Let me just get <laughs> <laughs> The Nakatomi Tower in uh, in Ulthuin What? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Tor Nakatomi <laughs> Nakatomi-lek Bell Nakatomi <laughs> President <laughs> That guy Nakatomi, who's just this architect going, what? How big? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, his first decree basically is, uh, we can't go to war with Nagaroth again. Let's just shore up our defenses, uh, set patrols around the Shadowlands, and just get on with our lives. Because ultimately, this is a war of extinction. It's going to end with maybe one elf being alive of of any side and that's uh, of no use to anyone especially not to the population of Ulthuin. So they settle in for a good long hard rule of peace. That's maybe I could have phrased that better. Um, <laughs> Belhathor nixing the idea of the constant grinding warfare with the Dark Elves sets out not only to kind of shore up the defences of Ulthuin, but to be a bit more expansionist, to get out there in terms and see what the world is. You have to keep in mind that Ulthuin's really been an isolationist nation, continent for 2,000 years at least. You know, the great exodus from the War of the Beard. So what's that, 3,000 years before? That was the last time there was really any kind of high elf presence in the old world, and indeed outside of Ulthuin, rather than, you know, they would have naval patrols around Ulthuin and the occasional disastrous war with uh, Nagroth, but really they hadn't been in contact with any other race. And so he sets up a chap 
called Finnabar, who is an explorer, a, a kind of naval kind of savant, and sets him up as an ambassador to go out and make contact with these uh, uh, historically uh, old settlements. With that guy Hathor uh, refocusing on not only elf or the Ulthuan centric kind of paradigm where he didn't really care about the dark elves we'll set up patrols it'll all be fine he then starts to think well maybe we should have an exploration of everything right of us on a map and so this kind of precipitates after over a few hundred years where really ineffectual norse raiders kind of get through the magical protection of Ulthuin and the Shifting Isles and raids kind of one or two settlements. So he's like, well, well, who are these guys? Like, what's going on over there that they think they can come over here in their ships that are actually quite seaworthy? Um, are they? Uh, didn't we leave these? Are they? Because are they? They're quite like kind of Vikingy. Is that the, Vikingy is that the guys? Kind of, yeah. Vi- yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty pretty decent at shipbuilding. Then are the sh- are their ships? Do they look like kind of Viking longboats? They look like Viking longboats in the game Man of War. It's effectively giant Viking longboats. That's amazing. Yeah, love it with real dragon heads. No, um, it's carved wood. It's <laughs> with real wood. With real wood. <laughs> 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 laminated longboats <laughs> single single use single use by the time you get to the other shore it's just inflated and it just sinks swollen <laughs> warped it's effectively so you know all these Norse guys come over in their single use kayaks and uh, just take over <laughs> these small villages and then build new single-use kayaks and head back to uh, <laughs> One of them is like, if only we could make them more than single-use, we could get, you know, we could save so much material. And after generations, that's their purpose in life, just to keep moving on to make single-use this, single-use that. They've lost all meaning of like everything else. Like we, We're just doing this now. We don't know why we're doing it anymore. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the destruction of the world through chaos uh, at the end of the end times, spoiler alert, is uh, that was a small mercy compared to the environmental damage that that single, you know, single-use culture was... Uh, and they, and they yeah. oust anybody that tries to suggest anything that's not single-use. I've made yeah. these genes that <laughs> should last right. for more than a day. Get it! He's a witch! Burn him! Burn him! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll just I'll give you one example of how uh, batshit these Norse raiders were. There was one guy called Magnus the Mad, which is a bit on the nose. <laughs> I wonder what he's like. <laughs> he arrives in a single, single-use longship. Uh, with, <laughs> yeah, nobody uh, else 30, wanted to go with him. Yeah, like 200 men. And he's confronted by the Sea Guard of Lothern, which are the kind of elite marines in the classical sense of high elf culture, they uh, kind of form up with spearmen in the front and bowmen at the back to be able to, you know, handle handle enemies at range and close up. So his two hundred men face off against ten thousand high elf fucking uh, hell sea guard, and he just he goes charge, and that's it. He's <laughs> never heard from again. Everyone <laughs> no is. Shit. No shit. It's it just peppered 
they just looked like porcupines, I suspect. <laughs> it, it, no one even made it to this within spear distance. Um, but you got to love the gumption. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Can do attitude. Don't worry about the stats. Don't worry about them. Just get up that. Do you think, uh, do you think it's, the kind of, it's, it's something so insane? Do you think like Bel Hathor himself came down and just kind of like gave the, gave the bodies a little kick and went, what a thing to see. It's crazy. It's crazy. Who are these guys? If I if so, I had um, ten thousand of them, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, he sets up uh, with a, a a kind of well known explorer and naval savant uh, known as Finbar. Finubar. Fin, Finu. not Finbar. Finubar. Finu. <laughs> and so he appoints him Finubar. as the kind of. The official explorer, he, he kind of uh, sets him up as a privateer. Do you know like uh, Elizabeth I did for Francis Drake, where he oh, was yeah. effectively a pirate in the employ of uh, the crown. It's a right. similar kind of vibe. This guy was sent out to explore, to have a look. Perhaps not rank piracy, but, you know, maybe he dabbled. Who knows? And so he heads back to the old world, uh, and he is stunned. Stunned, I tell you, that was that noise was me thumping my fist on the table <laughs> that, uh, to discover what he assumed would be a load of shit-covered, smelly people living in mud huts. He lands and he finds an entire kind of Bretonian kingdom, an entire empire of man, an entire something of Astalia, a proper uh, an entire Columbus Mar- moment. Yeah, that kind, that kind of idea where he's just going, "Holy shit!" We, we, sorry. Wait, when did you guys come here? You've yeah. always been here. What? I, I brought a flag. I was going to no, 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 flag no. here. <laughs> I have this 2,000-year-old book that clearly says you're mud humpers. There's just, what's going on? When did you learn to put one stone on top of another? What's going on there? And so his embassy, as I suspect the technical term is, is received at various courts. And while... The clear advantage of allying with these uh, new kingdoms is obvious. When he sends messages back to Belhathor, Belhathor becomes kind of concerned. And so he decrees that no human, no non-elf should ever set foot on Ulthuin. And that is partially done for two reasons. Racist? Yeah, racist. (laughs) <laughs> the, the the first is, well more xenophobic the first is done because you know the only experience they've had with non elves so far have usually been during combat and war so either being raided or when they go and uh, fight dwarves for instance the second is is that he's concerned about diluting the already thinned ranks of high elves on Ulthuin with non high elves uh, so he doesn't want his people to become a minority in their own island kingdom. As part of his travels uh, at Belhathor's request, Finnebar ends up recontacting or, or yeah, discovering the elves of Athel Lauren. So these are remember, effectively the Wood Elves. So he makes contact, you know, on behalf of Ulthuin with the Wood Elves. And it's the first time in, you know, a millennia and a half that any formal contact has been uh, had. And so there is 
And do they get on like a house on fire? They they don't really get on like a house on fire because their cultures oh. are so you now wildly different. Uh, you know, it, it's sorry, bro. We're just you know like well in the trees. Yeah, you drive on the left, we drive on the right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Sorry, that place still exists. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of idea. Mm. Uh, right, right. So they're aware of Ulthuin, but it's only kind of ancestral tales. Because the, as listeners will recall, the Wood Elves are the High Elves that refused to go back to Ulthuin at the end of the War of the Beard uh, and settled in Athel Lauren and became tree humpers. Funubar, having explored the Old World and the coast of Araby and, uh, and a little bit up into Norska, returns to Ulthuin with tales of daring do gifts and treasures from the various kingdoms and reports back to Finuar, or sorry, reports back to Belhathor. And Belhathor sort of softens his stance and says that he will now allow some, you know, on a case-by-case, non-elves to step onto Ulthuin itself. Uh, But... They have to fill out the Esther form, pay oh, yeah. an admin fee of uh, $45. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been involved in or instigated the War of the Beard? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where Malekith is? Is that kind of straightforward questions? <laughs> I love the I love the notion that all those kinds of questions are so straightforward, and they do it for a very specific reason. Is that it's easier to put someone in jail for uh, perjury and fraud than it is for terrorism? Is it? <laughs> yeah. So do you know where such prove... and such is? No. And if you if it turns out that you do know where that person is, you can go to jail for perjury. Yeah. Wow. And that's yeah. easier to incarcerate someone. It's easier than to prove being a terrorist. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> so you're better off sometimes if you if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm a fucking terrorist. Like <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> No, because that's a full confession and they can just yeah, pin yeah, you to yeah. a wall. Can oh, you just say I don't shit. know? Okay, no, ask me again. Ask me again. Yeah. <laughs> do you know Malekith? No, no, do over, do over. Yeah. <laughs> do you know Malekith? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Define Malekith. <laughs> yeah. Define, Define no. no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have we have we been at kink parties together? I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, can't, I can't say. I know A Malekith. <laughs> and B Malekith. Which Malekith <laughs> Are you feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders? Are your magical energies feeling a bit depleted? Well, worry not. Better Elf, Ulthuin's premier mental health support program, is here to help you navigate the agonizingly twisted paths of your mind. Better Elf pairs you with one of our trained emotional archivists of Safri, who will gently peel back the layers of social protection and dig out your most troublesome thoughts. Whether you're dealing with the pressure of ruling a kingdom or simply feeling a bit down about the slow and inevitable decline of our race, Better Elf is here to lend you an empathetic ear. Our program combines traditional elven wisdom with modern, pleasure-based counselling techniques to help you break free from the chains of tradition. 
Quell the emotional turmoil you have suppressed as you begin an enchanted journey of self-discovery. After all, even the mightiest of elves could use a little laughter and support now and then. Better elf, where the oppressive becomes expressive. Terms and conditions apply. Inclusion within the Better Elf community requires at least three orgies a year. He revokes his decree uh, on non-elves setting foot on Ulthuin. Trade absolutely explodes in his face like a premature wasp name. Uh, and <laughs> ultimately, Belhathor, referred to as the sage because he was a herbalist, he passes away peacefully one evening. Uh, I don't know doing what. He's into slam poetry. Better maybe not he. Maybe he uh, maybe he passed away mid-slam. Can you imagine? <gasps> Can you imagine someone having a heart attack mid-stage dive? And it just this corpse lands in the crowd and is bounced around. I'd love to see that. That'd be hilarious. I don't think you've ever been to a slam poetry night, have you? <laughs> slam poetry is not named because people... It's not named after the sound poets make when they stage dive. Well, that's not, well let I me just stop a... you there. I have no interest in slam poetry <laughs> then, in that case. Yeah, let me stop you there. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. <laughs> At his passing, Belhathor, uh, as we've discussed, died mid-stage dive peacefully. It's what he would have wanted. Yeah, it's what he would have wanted. The next Phoenix King then is... Guess who? Funabar. He is elected oh. as the the next Phoenix Conspiracy? King. Conspiracy? Much? M- maybe. I'd never considered that because no. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's the guy who went over to the old world. Yeah, he's the explorer. He's the explorer, yeah. and and he then convinced the existing, the previous Phoenix King, to kind of open the gates for trade. Uh, yes. movement of, of non-elves and then that of guy non-elves. died and then Finnebar was like I'm king now Finnebar who is revealed later to actually be Girathon uh, no uh, so <laughs> he, uh, the very first thing Finnebar does upon uh, ascension uh, to the Phoenix throne in uh, in Lothurn is he leaves Ulthuin and he goes back to the old world and wants to make a full kind of doomsday book style assessment of the the strengths and opportunities. He does a SWOT analysis of, <laughs> the, of, uh, of the, the kingdoms of the old kingdoms and races of the old world. Wow! And comes to the conclusion that you know we probably should start uh, allying if if we the elves who know what's good for everyone decide that this is going to be a good idea then clearly it's a good idea yeah and so and the world should know about it and the world should know about it this leads this kind of we'll use the term desertion of the phoenix throne to go and fanny about in the old world uh, (laughs) leads to a lot of kind of political maneuvering and machinations a great word back in the kind of phoenix court it's a bit it's a bit like Everything to do with the Phoenix King ends up being Phoenix something. Hand me my Phoenix cup. Uh, yeah, right. Know, it's the it's the something of someone kind of yes. uh, uh, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All very third person. And so they start kind of jockeying for position, the court that is, and say, starting to kind of suggest that perhaps 
Finnebar has uh, met with death on his uh, great kind of abandoning exploration. And so they start kind of heading towards electing a new Phoenix King. Um, and then the Everqueen, Alariel, uh, listeners will recall, I've mentioned Everqueens before, I can't be bothered discussing who it is. Fucking listen to the episode again. <laughs> she comes in, all Billy Big Balls, and says, you know, you're servants of the Phoenix throne. The Phoenix King is like, very Aye. much still alive. Uh, <laughs> you know, you owe your continuous existence to, you know, the good graces of the Phoenix King and his forces. And so they're kind of whipped back into line. Um, Sorry, just to interject... The, the the ever queen we haven't actually heard anything about her is she still the same person who's just been constantly is she is that still like the first phoenix king no there are as many ever queens as there are phoenix kings although they're they're not kind of a one-to-one relationship as it were they don't rotate in the same way they kind of yeah like the phoenix king has died quickly off the off, off the ever queen and let's get another one in it, it, I mean, it's a great and, and interesting question because the Ever Queen is always the daughter of the Phoenix King and the previous Ever Queen. And oh, so incestuous. it oh, is. Yeah, and my concern is that if some Ever Queens last longer than the Phoenix King. Does that mean then that wow. they have to have sex with their own father? But surely when so so if the new I'm worried uh, about this I'm worried about this being clipped and put out there by the way this is just so, it's a horrible yeah, thing. Yeah. So genuinely new, this if, is us being ignorant we are not So the new Phoenix King <laughs> gets elected yeah. the that new Phoenix King gets with the previous Ever Queen has They live together for 1 year. Yeah. They live together for 1 year has uh, have a new daughter yeah, I'm guessing that the old Ever Queen has to stay Ever Queen until that daughter until is she of pa- a well until age. she passes away. I think. Yeah. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. So what, hap- what happens if the Phoenix King remains? What if, what about yeah? What happens if her father remains? Does then the daughter have to marry her father at that point? We don't know. These are interesting questions that should be addressed on a podcast. These are interesting, disgusting questions. Yeah. Mm. If the Phoenix King gets with the old ever queen and has a daughter and that yeah. old that old ever queen has to stay queen until she dies oh no she might, not, she, yeah, might not... she might die before no she might die after a new phoenix king is elected and so the daughter that's just been had wouldn't ever get the opportunity to become the ever queen do you know yeah. what i mean because the because the yeah, next yeah. phoenix king would then have to be with i'm guessing the the ever queen from two times ago because that that the the previous ever queen would still be oh it's all getting very funny yeah that's all now, yeah, I just yeah, I, I want cool. I want listeners to be completely aware that while this is satirical it's also a reflection of European royalty since day dot <laughs> right yeah <laughs> since, okay. yeah it's all about kind mm. of so you end up with people with no chins so yeah. when we're when we're done with the uh, phoenix kings we're going to go all the way back to the start and do the same thing for the ever queens. No, because very misogynistically, they're not focused on in uh, the lore. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, that's a real it shame. is a bit of shit. I agree. Okay, so Gladriel then is the, the current Ever Queen. Alariel. 
Sorry, Galadriel. Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong IP, bitch. <laughs> Every so, episode. I mean, we've got we've done about three of the bingo things in Sami's uh, bingo card so far, oh, yeah, yeah, and this yeah, is the yeah. fantasy podcast. <laughs> uh, ultimately, Finnebar returns and expands uh, upon the uh, kind of. Uh, initial thoughts of Bell Hathor and opens up Lothern, the city, to non-elves. Listeners will recall, there are three gates through which you have to pass to get to the inner sea and the inner kingdoms of Ulthuin, and the non-elves are allowed past the first one, and then only chosen people may be allowed uh, past the first the, or past the second one. Yeah, I was about to say, past the first second one. You know, not the third second one. <laughs> no. There are five <laughs> second gates. <laughs> what, would the, what would the third second one be? Of the second row, it would be the third one. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Brain melt. And so Finubar kind of incites the huge increase in trade between Ulthuin and the Old World. And ultimately, this sees a high elf enclave set up in the city of Marnberg. Remember, that's the port one. That's uh, It's a little bit Dutch. Uh, oh, some high elf. I don't know why it's Sean Connery there. Oh, it's Sean Connery. Shout out to the Dutch. Stroopwaffles are the fucking shit. I'm addicted <laughs> to those things. Of all of your entire culture, these waffles are your best achievement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's not the Dutch masters, the painting masters, not them. No, 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 no. None <laughs> of that. It's absolutely not, not slavery. Not not what? even the clogs or the cheese. <laughs> it's the stroop waffles. <laughs> it's the stroop waffles. So Finubar is the current Phoenix King. He's the the Phoenix King at uh, over the previous couple of hundred years, certainly, and um, has overseen some great victories and tragedies and various other things end in ease for the High Elves and for the world uh, in general. What he's principally known for, however, is, as I said, the expansionist mindset, but also the great assistance he gave to the forces of the old world during the Great War against Chaos, which is in 2300 AS, or the IC as the kind of the pedants will take it, the imperial calendar. The Great War chaos is not just something in the old world, it kind of uh, washed over the entire world and so a great many kind of starting skirmishes and wars and certainly in the high elf world we see a number of these uh, that happened quite quickly upon him ascending to the throne the first is is the reemergence of a slaneshi keeper of secrets a greater demon of slanesh called nakari Keen-eared listeners will remember that Nakari was one of the four greater demons that Enarian oh, yeah. had to round uh, best. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, round one uh, <laughs> during the creation of the Great Vortex. Was that the one that pulled um, what's her face apart? Uh, Narian's mm. misses. Yes. Is it the- yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. so it's returned and is trying to wipe out the kind of bloodline of Anarian. 
and ultimately he is slain on the steps of the shrine of Azurian by a pair of brothers who are what I like to call twins. Tall brothers. <laughs> they're, just, they're just brothers. Brothers from the same mother and, and father. yeah that's out there that's really out there these are of course Tyrion and Teclis who become enormously famous in the The great rapping duo (laughs) (laughs) Tyrion and Teclis also known as Criss Cross they will make the forces of chaos jump and Millie Vanilli and (laughs) Bananarama and (laughs) Milli Vanilli, the greatest ventriloquist dummies in the history of the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Didn't they famously argue, like, no, we really can sing? And then they sang live on TV, and it was just like, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this this really precipitated a number of incursions by uh, the forces of chaos and indeed Dark Elves, or Dark Elves, Dark Elder, onto Ulthuan proper. The kind of first mast battle is the battle at Shining Ridge in Tyrannoch. Uh, ben, what's Tyrannoch famous for? Oh, dinosaurs. No. Um, no, that's Exodites on a different podcast. No, it's Turok. It's got a wacky time, hasn't it? The, was the... Not Turok, you douchebag. <laughs> is it the wacky time place? No, that's Illyrian. Crowler. <laughs> you made me. me look stupid then yeah you made me look like a dick well we'll move on it's, no. it's the what was the answer uh, well I'm, I'm moving on to the answer it was the uh, <laughs> I thought you were just going to move on like, move and on. you will never, we'll never know no we'll never know so this amazing really crucial battle happened in a place we'll not talk about uh, and it was between <laughs> Tyrannoch is the the other kingdom that was savage during the sundering uh, oh is it 10 percent land yes 10 percent land yeah yeah, oh, yeah uh, so it's it's it was where, the where all the charioteers are based the charioteer god you're, you i tell you what i mean clearly you were reading something while i was speaking because that's <laughs> really in there that's really <laughs> in there <laughs> no it's, it's the only thing i remember because there was the lion chariots but they were in a different place. And then there was these chariot guys who've, only, who've just got no land. They've got no land. They need all the land in the world. They've they just keep doing do- donuts in whatever the equivalent <laughs> of a, a an Ulthuan car park is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, here we go. Here we go. Which kingdom are the lion chariots from? Uh, uh, Shrace. Sh- Thrace. Shrace. Shrace. Oh, Shrace. I have to give the points to Chris there because oh. you know, he, he said the answer first. Reluctantly, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of Shining Ridge, the kind of great dark elf uh, general Mackinarth. It's a real name, Mackinarth. Wow. Macca for sure. Uh, I mean, it's one of those ones where you think was that was a Friday morning, wasn't it? When that when they came up with that. Mac- Fuck it, just call yeah. him Mackinarth. <laughs> hand me the scrabble bag and whatever letters i pick out will make a name out of this <laughs> so a huge uh dark elf force tried to penetrate deep into ulthuin's uh, soft interior and was turned back when mackinarth the general was 
unfortunately, I'm going to have to use the word penetrated. He was penetrated and cast off of his uh, Cold One chariot. That is a chariot drawn by Cold Ones, which are effectively... Dinosaurs. Uh, Velocira- yeah, Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. Na, na, na. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Jurassic Park. There's a dinosaur. There's a dinosaur. So yeah, so uh, the Terranoch Prince Galathor hoofed his spear at um, what his name, Abracababra, and flew him off the chariot that he was on. And uh, we, we. <laughs> interestingly, the spear that was thrown was actually. It was actually his great ancestors, who's unnamed, but was um, was an associate of Anarian. So technically, he was a prince. So Prince Galathor, if you recall, anyone who he has... He threw his ancestors. It wasn't he, a spear. He, oh, yeah. it's my uncle. No, it was a spear, you doof. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a weapon that was forged during the reign of Anarian, if you recall. So anybody who has a, it makes them a prince yeah so yeah, for that right. moment where um just was alive but the spear was in him he was technically a principal to it i think that's how it works. i'm not <laughs> that's sure hilarious but do you not have to steal it i don't think being impaled by a guns is stealing like <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I stole this i stole this i'm I a die prince, a prince. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> give me a fancy funeral oh. mom look at me yeah. now <laughs> Ultimately, the uh, forces of what's his chops, Mac and Arth, were wiped out by a charge of Illyrian Reavers, and these are the horse archers of uh, Illyria. Now, before you ask me, Chris, no, these are mounted archers, not archers with huge forearms that shoot horses at people. <laughs> and definitely not Illyrian Ravers, yeah? Ravers. Uh, no, that's that's the infantry. That's the really ineffective infantry of yeah, uh, armed with glow sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Topless. Yeah. Topless with bucket hats and man bags. Yeah. And a, yeah, yeah, and a dust mask with an E on it. And just forever having a roll up cigarette in their mouth, which they just won't light. They're just talking just yeah. around like just fucking, soaked in sweat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Always asking for a lighter, but never actually lighting the cigarette that's in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The cash register jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad, just reliving uh, younger days. <sighs> uh, younger days, when we were cool and hip. <laughs> <laughs> and now we do a podcast. So this start. how dare you? So this started the, um, <laughs> the sort of, how would you describe it? The erosion of order by chaos. So we're looking at about 200 years before present. Sorry, 300 years before present. Which ultimately uh, leads to what's referred to as the Battle of Wailing Fen on Ulthuin, where a bloodthirster, a, a, a chaos demon, a, a greater demon of corn, manifests in the lands of Barry, unfortunately. Barry in Ivris. Um, Barry. Yeah, it was a bad time. I. <laughs> <laughs> I've just run out of adjectives. I've run out of adjectives. Well, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad time, isn't it? 
right, so yes, the Battle of Wailing Fen, where in fact it was an elf ruler named Moranian, who is Eltharian's father, summoned uh, as many of his allies to the shores of Ivrys as possible, including a sizable contingent of the Phoenix Guard, who are the uh, kind of priest warriors, or as I like to say, warrior priests of the Shrine of Azurian, to beat back the chaos demonic forces uh, and to cleanse Ulthuin of their filthy taint, if you accept his propaganda. And, um, you know, the, the mass ranks of the elves uh, faced off against the gibbering hordes of the demons of chaos and just it was total war trademark and um, <laughs> they were able to kind of encircle the demons to some extent but uh, every time the greater demon the, the the bloodthirster was able to break through their lines and you know force the elven army to reposition so it was a constant well battle how big is a bloodthirster Depending on the artwork and the miniatures, okay? So if you go by miniatures, they're about 20 feet tall. Right, okay. So pretty... Okay, so not insignificant. In some of the artwork, you have bloodthirsters that are 60 to 100 feet tall. Right. But obviously... It, and I'm, I'm it, assuming it's much like, like a greater demon what? isn't, isn't a, a uniform constant. It, it could be... It's just no. anything... Uh, from a certain power up so you could have like fucking you could have a hundred foot bloodthirster uh yes and, and any bloodthirster i suspect could manifest as being a hundred feet right it, it's how much chaotic energy they're able to manifest around them which right. is an interesting point to raise because as part of the high elf army not only did they have the phoenix guard but they also had phoenixes phenai Phoenixes, <laughs> so <laughs> Phoenix's eye, Phoenix's eye. That's that's something else. Uh, that's when it burns. One of these Phoenix faced off against the Bloodthirster itself and swooped down, ready to kind of rip it to shreds with its flaming talons. But the Bloodthirster lashed out with its whip. Bloodthirsters have whips. Oh yeah, and uh, went round the neck of the the phoenix and it despite you know its considerable size and its considerable kind of wing beat power the bloodthirster pulled it down towards it and tore its throat out with its teeth with their mouth with their teeth wow the teeth in the mouth yeah so they yeah. uh okay. yeah yeah got it so they uh, <laughs> so they uh, <laughs> so the phoenix kind of instead of just dying bursts into flames and kind of billows out in all directions pushing back both armies but the bloodthirster uh, enraged um because it's obviously a servant of corn and demands blood made a beeline for the high elf lines once again uh, but as it was making its way forward the the kind of burning remains of the phoenix exploded kind of wiping out a significant portion of the middle of the of the bloodthirsters army and then this kind of phoenix reborn smashed into the back of the bloodthirster like a kind of flaming comet 
and its talons went straight into its body and kind of tore the demon's heart because apparently demons have heart depending on which bit of the lore you read um they're just misunderstood yes yeah, <laughs> tore its heart open and the bloodthirster having lost its kind of anchor to reality uh, kind of faded to nothing it kind of dissolved in a kind of fit of screaming rage much like a child who's been denied a purchase of a new toy no i've not been scarred by having kids <laughs> <laughs> the bloodthirster was the focal point of all the chaotic energy that was holding the demonic army uh, within the real world and with its demise with its destruction the demons began just to kind of fade back into the warp, much right. like kind of really bad transitions from uh, one scene to another in awful movies. No, no, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, so almost 20 years after the Battle of Wailing Fen, the Everqueen then in another uh, incident is poisoned by a Urian poison blade. Guess what he has? Uh, <laughs> and he's a dark elf assassin who was able to actually not only land in Ulthuin, but get into the inner kingdoms, which is this thing that has never happened really in, in a couple of thousand years. But because the winds of magic are blowing so strong with this uh, increase of chaos energy within the world, he's able to bypass areas um, normally, uh, you know, impenetrable to the forces of uh, evil uh, on Ulthuin. And he's able to get in and uh, kill the queen, which, you know, not great. Not great. Which was nice. Which, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> we then come to the, you know, at, with that event, it's not a causal relationship, but it happened at the same time as the great war against chaos in the old world, where the forces of chaos wash over Kislev and make uh, good headway into the empire until... Magnus uh, the Pious is able to repulse the forces of chaos. I'm deliberately summarizing this because we're going to cover this when we cover the Empire uh, in quite a bit of detail. And during that time, not only is the Everqueen assassinated, but Dark Elves invade Ulthuin once again, this time in concert with a lot of chaos forces. So we're looking at uh, mortal, uh, demonic, and beastmen that are able to uh, get in and kind of swarm the outer kingdoms of Ulthuin. Ultimately, within a year, the Dark Elves are driven out of Ulthuin once again after effectively a couple of years of constant warfare. This is where the citizen levy, almost all of them are activated. So you have almost every being on Ulthuin fighting the enemies that are also on Ulthuin. And ultimately, uh, Ulthuin is freed. Yay! In the aftermath oh. of the Great War Against Chaos, the High Elves decide they have to send... Uh, allies uh, or they have to send forces to their allies and they send 
one of the brothers, uh, Teclis, who's a high kind of archmage lore master of uh, Safri, and he is uh, accompanied by a couple of other mages and some, uh, you know, and a small army to shore up the forces of the empire or the combined forces of the empire and the dwarves on the notion that if they can stop chaos getting into the kind of, uh, into the old world, if they can push them back, it means there's another buffer between Ulthuin and the kind of great enemy. This ultimately, once they're successful and everyone's uh, won and they're all happy and chaos is beaten back, it is at this point that the perhaps the most important event in the old world happens, and that's where Teclis, the Archmage, founds the Colleges of Magic in the Empire, and that's where we get the individual winds of magic being able to be specialised in by human mages or mortal mages. Is that why Teclis and what's-his-face are so... So who who, Te- who founded them? Teclis and Teclis, just just Teclis. Uh, yeah, is that so, part of the uh, reason why he's so famous? Yes, yeah. Right. Part of the reason why oh, he's you're so, so well famous. You're so famous. <laughs> I don't know what kind of impression that was. Like. <laughs> Crow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that done, he he remains there for uh, a decade or so, and with him his his kind of chief assistant Finrear. They train human mages to be able to kind of withstand the uh, seductions of chaos and harness the individual winds of magic for the powers of good. Teclis then returns to Ulthuin, where he's given the formal position of High Lore Master of the White Tower. Uh, So he's the head honcho of uh, High Elf Hogwarts. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> Everything's, Everything's great from there. Gidori. It's real good. I mean, from there, I mean, the, the, the recent, sort of from that point, which is the most significant thing that the, the High Elves do, there are a number of other instances within the uh, more recent history, the previous 200 years. Uh, we will cover them in more detail when we discuss the kind of named heroes in the next episode. But it, just to kind of, uh, in general, we're going to look at the kind of continued decline of the dragons of Ulthuin, where they become harder and harder to wake. Uh, and so a great hero, Prince Imric of Kalador, he's an actual prince, not a sword prince. <laughs> not a, I've just been stabbed in the chest, prince. Uh, yeah he's not he's not a penetrated prince what yeah um (laughs) an an incidental prince yeah so he calls a great council of of the kind of caladorian princes to see if they can wake the dragons uh and see uh what happens and really what they're wanting to try is to regain the military kind of advantage of having dragons in a kind of melee based society being able to breathe fire and maybe dump on them who knows (laughs) (laughs) and so they they want to really if this is to be the end of the high elves they're going to go out uh, swinging uh, dragon dicks 
effectively. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> The only other points I think that it would be good to make uh, in terms of Finubar is really to do with both the Empire and the Greenskins, and to some extent the Dark Elves again. Under the kind of leadership of a, a pirate, one of the coastal areas of Ulthuin is raided, who, you know, and in response, a sea lord called Aislin goes again, to use Ben's phrase, uh, Tonto, and effectively sacks. I think that was the city phrase. of. But I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> the, hmm? um, <laughs> sacks the city of Marenburg, which, remember, is a. Uh, fantasy Dutchland. There's a great sea battle that happens in the kind of just outside of the port between the pirate forces and the high elf forces, which kind of cools off trade between Ulthuin and the old world for about two decades. But eventually the kind of avarice of high elf princes takes hold once again and so the the sea elf quarter as it's known in uh, marienburg is repopulated and trade resumes uh, in earnest off the back of this the sea, sea lord aislin is he's viewed as a kind of a ruthless character and finubar gets the sense that the high elves are going to need that kind of ruthlessness that kind of effectively how would you describe them uh, the sailing version of John Wick. Um, you're going <laughs> cool. to need a character or a general, an admiral, I suppose, uh, like that. So, so he kills um, his dog, and then <laughs> he no, he arranges to have his dog killed, and then goes, "Oh, mate, your dog's dead. I'm so sorry. Look, oh, these yeah. guys did it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Aislinn starts raiding against the Dark Elves. Ultimately, unfortunately. He's lost. There's uh, no mention. Uh, he's, uh, his ship goes down off of, uh, off of Nagaroth, and the feeling is they've lost uh, uh, a great warrior, a great leader. But lo and behold, about six months later, who <laughs> washes up on, uh, up on the shores of Ulthuin? It's only fucking Sea Lord Aislate. Azag the Destroyer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's Aisling himself. And... Um, he is completely unharmed. There's no signs of any injury whatsoever. And Except he has no head. <laughs> Except for complete total decapitation. He's pristine. Oh, this? Oh, this is nothing. Is what he would no, have no. said if he had a head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should check out the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy has no body. Um, <laughs> but he claims to have no memory of the previous six months. He's... No recollection at all of Claims. his ship going down. Yeah, we've yeah, all been there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, Honestly, baby, I don't remember. So <laughs> he's he's kind of returned to the good graces of, uh, of the Phoenix Court and becomes once again this great kind of admiral. But he's also hailed as a kind of a herald of Mathlan, who is the elven sea god, who is widely believed kind of caught his dead body and you know healed it and sent him back out into the world knowing what the elves 
face. The other kind of great battle uh, of the time that we've discussed just, just, uh, previously. I'm just, just going to interject there. I don't trust that motherfucker. I reckon we're going to hear from him again. I'm just what, Aislinn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a cunt, isn't he? He's a he's he's man. he's a badden, but he's a badden in radars pinging. Yeah, I mean, I always thought it was really offensive. You referred to it as cunt dar. Uh, I thought that's just how you <laughs> I was going to say that, that but I know back. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, you think I, I was it. talking about my cunt radar, <laughs> but <laughs> so. Uh, We've discussed this next battle at length, and we, we won't really review it in any great detail, but uh, it's referred to as the Ruin of Ivris, the Ruin of Barry, and that's where Grom the Paunch rocks up. Barry's Ruin. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, drink, and that, was, that was only like a hundred years before the kind of current time. And didn't he strap uh, the king to the front of his he chariot? St- he strapped uh, Menara. <laughs> Vibrated him to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking well, hell. Uh, Elth- Eltharion the Grim, the, the son of uh, Vibro Elf, <laughs> uh, is one of the <laughs> one of the most obvious cases of retcon within fantasy lore, within uh, uh, High Elven lore, because he leads this great expedition against Nagaroth, and not only is a successful kind of lawnmower invasion of their country, but he actually gets into the city of uh, Nagrond, which is Malekith's home. And he does so by repeating the kind of treacherous deceit that Malekith himself had done or had carried out to incite the War of the Beard. So some of uh, Eltharion's elite troops dress in the kind of dark elf armor and arms of their slain enemies and they actually manage to get inside the city in a very kind of Trojan War-esque style, minus the horse, so it's not Trojan War at all, but opens the <laughs> gate to the, the high elf army, which flows in and absolutely decimates the city. Uh, that's the retcon version and Eltharion returns home poisoned uh, during the attack he's stabbed and so his demeanor changes from a kind of devil may care rake of ulthuid to this kind of very serious grim warrior and that's where he gets the name eltharion the grim now in the fifth edition of warhammer fantasy the tale was kind of changed a little bit so it was retconned and then re-retconned, I suppose is the correct way to look at it, where Eltharion, while the army got in and the city was decimated, Eltharion was actually captured by Malekith himself, who had him tortured and then confronted him and uh, executed one by one every member of Eltharion's army by beheading them in front of him as just... And it took a day to kill all of these elf, uh, high elf survivors that had been captured by the dark elves after the sacking of Nagron. It's quite a a day, isn't it? Quite a day. Is it so popcorn? Now we're going to break for lunch, everyone. And Deltharion, you can eat someone's head. (laughs) And at the end of this day, instead of killing Eltharion, what Malekith does is cuts out his eyes. Ooh. And sends him back to Ulthuin, 
the only survivor of this high elf army that was, in quotes, successful in attacking Nagron. And so we have a situation where he goes from Eltharion the Grim to Eltharion the Blind. That is actually what the character was called. Sorry, this isn't the retcon version. This, this is, is the retcon version. Right, okay, this is the retcon. So what I described originally was the original version. This was then retconned to be Eltharion the Blind. Uh, and right. Eltharion the Blind, uh, was he became a swords master of Hoeth. You recall when we talked about the White Tower of Hoeth, they have these kind of amazing warriors who use two-handed swords uh, as easy as someone else would use kind of a, a knife. These guys are amazing. And so Eltharion the Blind became... I've forgotten the name of the movie. It was one of the Rutger Hauer ones where he was blind and he had a samurai sword and he kind of walked the earth. Uh, as a homeless person solving um, or, um, problems within this movie. Or in Rogue One, there's the guy who's Oh, yes, like, yeah, um, Chira Imwe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that kind cool, of man. vibe. I never he became with, that. Was he, was he a Jedi, or was he just a fucking badass? He was just a badass. He was, he was a badass, but he was also Force-sensitive. That's right. That's right, how he okay, was able yeah. to tell to where know. things were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I was ever blinded, I would become Force-sensitive. That seems like the way forward. If you were ever blind, you could never trust me or Chris, ever. <laughs> Thumbtacks I mean, on the floor, the whole thing. Blind or not blind, he doesn't trust us. Blind or not know, blind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upside down thumbtacks, <laughs> like Kral's legs. That's the thing now, I don't get it, but sure. Yeah. It's because your calves are bigger than your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes so Eltharion the Blind then was re-retconned back into Eltharion the Grim so that the ill-fated battle where Eltharion was uh, who was originally successful although poisoned then became was successful but was captured and blinded and became like a, a warrior monk went back to being he was successful but poisoned what? Uh, and so that's the current kind of state Why? of Elvarian the group. Uh, what was what was the point of that retconning? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They had some idea of progressing the story along uh rather that it, it's I think we discussed in the very first episode of this that the Warhammer world is a setting and not a timeline. So it's a place for adventure and uh, warfare but it's not a continuous story or uh, you know it's never going to go beyond a certain date uh, and so everyone is kind of trapped it's where you find in a lot of the campaigns a lot of the heroes have an enormous amount of plot armor uh, so you know they're almost killed everyone is almost killed all the time uh, i'm going to close out this episode which is the last of the kind of history of the High Elves, with a a battle referred to as the Invasion of Aetane. And I'm doing this very specifically for a special little someone. So, Hi. as we've discussed, <laughs> Hi. Ulthuin, Ulthuin is a floating continent. There's no bedrock as such. And so it's very difficult for a certain race to get in there. But... In the kind of back half of the reign of Finnebar, the seafarer, the explorer, Ulthuin was invaded via submersibles. 
by the race of the Skaven. The Skaven landed on the shores of Aetain, you know, hundreds, thousands, possibly even billions. I mean, millions gets of uh, rats and their various Skaveny weapons land on the shores of Aetain, which is where Lothurn is, and are met or sort of, you know, start raiding the various towns and villages along the shores. Ultimately, this uh, leads to a major battle between themselves and the kind of sea guard of Lothurn, who really you're looking at uh, a kind of stalemate, unfortunately, and that's purely down to two things. One is the sheer numbers of the Skaven, and especially Skaven slaves. They just send in the kind of meat curtain, as I like to refer to them, uh, uh, to soak up as much damage, <laughs> soak up as much damage as possible before the real troops get in. But also, as they went through the kind of well manicured countryside of Aetain, they were setting fire to everything they could with their warp fire throwers, uh, and so they were starting to knock over a couple of cheeky waystones. A lots of kind of oh. sacred uh, wooded copses are just incinerated and uh, a kind of steamroller effect of green fire moves throughout the countryside. I think both figuratively and literally. This great battle is sensed by the, the warrior priests of Azurian, the Phoenix Guard, who once again make battle with their enemies they come to the assistance of the of the lothern foot troops both in terms of the elite infantry the phoenix guard proper and also the winged phoenixes as opposed to the unwinged phoenixes maybe whatever the <laughs> you know it's the equivalent of a shit griffin yeah <laughs> shit griffin. It's a, sh- a shit phoenix um, and <laughs> they tear into the forces of the kind of of clan Rictus. This is the Skaven clan that has attacked Aetain under the leadership of Skizratch. Skizratch. Wow. Great name. <laughs> um, it's like a 90s <laughs> one-hit wonder English rap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what we're looking at here is uh, effectively every aspect of Skaven culture is represented in the force there. They've got... Um, the various war machines of Clan Skyr, the assassins of Clan Eshin, the plague monks and plague priests of Clan Pestilence, and the innumerable horrific monsters, beasts, rat ogres, and abominations of Clan Mulder. Oh, um, it's a proper smorgasbord. Uh, but once again, phoenixes come to the aid of uh, the elves, and, and this isn't at all done in line with the range of phoenix miniatures that was released uh, during the same period of time nothing to do with that whatsoever um, and so i mean it's getting to the point is, now where i wouldn't be surprised if the elves were just like oh another chaos that i don't worry about it so we're not even going to put our armor on because the phoenixes will deal with that just fucking send <laughs> yeah. them out now <laughs> What we've got another we've got another amazing thing. I thought the last thing was the best amazing thing, but we've got a new amazing thing, and we've been around for three thousand years at least. My goodness, what a surprise! The kind of head of the Phoenix Guard, a chap called Caradrian, 
Caradrian, yeah, Caradrian, yeah, uh, takes command of the army, and f- while he's atop, he has mounted something called a Frostheart Phoenix, which is a type of phoenix that deals in cold and snow, not fire. Interesting. If you see what I mean. Does the same thing happen? Like, if it dies, does it kind of explode in ice and then come yes, back? Yes, that's a, exactly a what it does. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> so there, at the center of the Skaven force is this huge abomination, this massive mutated eugenics-style uh, organism made up of hundreds of, you know, or DNA from hundreds of other monsters. And Caradrian and his Frostheart Phoenix swoop down, and it's written that Caradrian only strikes one dozen blows. He strikes the beast 12 times, <laughs> and everywhere he strikes <laughs> only, only it... Only one dozen. Only one dozen. Uh, and so, uh, a mere 12, yeah. And so the, <laughs> the, the great abomination, effectively, is a mixture of... How would you describe it? He gets freezer burned. He freezer burns this abomination to death. And Gives it him a really bad headache. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah, brain freeze. And it explodes, <laughs> uh, you know, wow. showering uh, the Skaven ranks with chunks of frozen, jaggy flesh. Um, and this quite literally tears the heart out of the kind of main um, Skaven force. So they turn tail and flee and are wiped out by the various forces of uh, high off archers, either from Lothern uh, Seaguard or Bowman proper. And as they make it back to the beach to get in the submersibles, they're met by a rank of Lothern Seaguard. So every single Skaven and their, you know, submersible engines and all the other kind of evil goings on of ratty kind are destroyed and sunk by the forces Take that, you ratty bastards. But it's fine because there's a million, billion, trillion more anyway where they can. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, there are. Drop in the X. ocean. Literally a drop in the ocean. <laughs> so that kind of slapdash summary of three Phoenix Kings draws our kind of history of the High Elves uh, at this stage to a close. We will be discussing next episode in some detail the kind of named heroes that are available to high elf forces and their story, which will kind of expand on the uh, more recent history of uh, Ulthuin itself. There you go. Jeepers. Yummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Ben, are you still loving the high high elves? I am. Are they still your... I I think my favourite part of this episode is... Finnabar going over and discovering that there are a bunch of humans and they're actually pretty cool <laughs> and let's be allies. I like the I love the idea of hell elves being elves. You love a good co-op um, moment, don't you? Yeah, love. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of like because it's all. I mean, it's always the case that, or it seems to be often the case that, like in the moment of need, an elf force turns up and saves the day. Yeah, <sighs> dull. was the dark elves going surprise we're still here and then then the smarmy complacent high elves were like oh no we were actually wrong or they they probably didn't say that did they they they, they weren't wrong they knew they knew the dark elves (laughs) yeah i mean how how would the kind of self-righteous in denial elves dress that one up did they intend to be ambushed 
was that was that was that the elven will we they they just thought they all they knew that they were around we were we were kidding we hoped they they were all gone but (laughs) they're they're yeah 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 yeah. hope for the best plan for the worst kral would you say that the 74th phoenix king or the 190th phoenix king were your favorites you know, curveball. I thought the two hundred seventy-six thousand three hundred ninety-second Phoenix King was oh. surprisingly impressive. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't considered yeah. that. That's a Calador the forty-first. Yeah, Kralador. <laughs> <laughs> the return of Kralador. <laughs> so of I'm those, back, baby. Of those three, then, so we've got what? Morvale, Belhathor, and uh, Finubar. Like, Finnebar has got the most kind of detail about his reign, <laughs> which I may or may not have done adequate justice to. I kind of like the idea of uh, Belhathor uh, yeah. being the kind of the quiet king, you know, the one that goes, oh, or the one who's everyone thinks, oh, we'll get him to do this, that, and the other. And he's and like, bam, fuck you, bitches. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <I'm back. laughs> Actually, I can be decisive. He very much has the uh, the iron surfboard energy of Kurt the Third. Oh, yeah, totally. yeah, it's very very oh, much that right. kind of uh, strike Douchey. a pose, make a pronouncement, that kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. Dives into rooms, says something dramatic, and then walks out. Yeah, drops mic. Just always got some <laughs> microphone with him so he can drop it and then walk away. That's it. <laughs> uh, right, uh, we have got to wrap up. Is it an AI wrap up? No, no. I Thank feel you like for I've listening. My, I've got my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Bleep, blorp. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which, when I remember to send out, includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. Again, if you're keen to support the podcast, just click the support us link in the description and give us all your goddamn earnings. We'll be back again soon, explaining uh, just how little Chris knows about anything. The Phoenix Kings. <laughs> um, we'll see you then. Bye. Yeah, we'll see you then, guys. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Bye. I earnestly love you all, but you are exhausting. <laughs>